Section 26 of Mysteries of London, Volume 4. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Gillian Hendry. Mysteries of London, Volume 4, by George W. M. Reynolds. Charles Hatfield and Mrs. Fitzharding. It was a little after twelve o'clock when Charles Hatfield reached the house in Suffolk Street. "'Is Miss Fitzharding at home?' he inquired of the female servant who answered his summons at the door. "'Have the kindness to walk up into the drawing-room, sir,' was the response, and with a beating heart the young man followed the domestic into the apartment where he expected again to behold his beauteous Perdita. But to his disappointment, a disappointment which he could not conceal, he found himself in the presence of her mother. "'Be seated, sir,' she said coldly and formally, indicating a chair into which Charles Hatfield fell, as if in obedience to the command of a witch. "'I have many matters whereon to converse with you, and, to speak candidly, scarcely know how to commence. One subject personally regards you, another intimately relates to my own interests.' but I will begin with that which so nearly concerns yourself. I am all attention, madam, said Charles, endeavouring to assume as respectful a demeanour as possible, but in reality glancing with much impatience towards the door, as if by his eager looks inviting the entrance of Perdita. My daughter will not interrupt us, Mr. Hatfield, exclaimed Mrs. Fitzharding, with an affectation of malice which seemed ominous and foreboding to the young man. Indeed, whether you will ever see her again depends upon the result of our present interview. My God, madam, cried Charles in an imploring tone, have I offended your beautiful daughter or yourself? I am not precisely offended, Mr. Hatfield, said the old woman, assuming a more conciliatory manner, but certain explanations are necessary between us, and indeed, it depends entirely on yourself whether you ever behold Perdita again. Then I shall behold her again, madam, returned Charles emphatically. And now I can really listen to you with attention, and perhaps with patience, added Mrs. Fitzharding, her rigid features at length relaxing into a faint smile. But I will not tax that patience longer than I can help. Firstly, then, we are to speak of the matters which concern yourself. And now, will you not be surprised when I assure you that I am acquainted with many strange and marvellous secrets connected with your family? Ah, ejaculated Charles, starting. But perhaps I even know more than you yourself are acquainted with, said Mrs. Fitzharding. No, madam, no, that is impossible, he cried emphatically. Do any of those secrets give you pain to contemplate? she asked fixing her eyes searchingly upon him. Pardon me for thus questioning you. And why, madam, do you so question me? He demanded, almost angrily. Because I am as yet ignorant to what extent your knowledge may go in certain respects, she replied. Then believe me, madam, believe me, cried Charles Hatfield bitterly, when I assure you that I know much more than you can possibly have an idea of. Is the name of Rainford familiar to you? asked the old woman, steadily watching the effect of her question. Madam, 
exclaimed Charles, starting from his seat and approaching Mrs. Fitzharding in a threatening manner. Would you taunt me with the infamy of my birth? For I see that it is no secret to you. But imagine not, if such indeed be your idea, that I am unworthy the love of your daughter Perdita. You were about to marry her to an old nobleman. What if a young nobleman were to demand her hand? A young nobleman? ejaculated Mrs. Fitzharding, now surprised in her turn. For it must be remembered that all she knew concerning the present subject was gleaned from the musings of the old gypsy. And those musings had led her to believe that Charles was the nephew of Mr. Hatfield, alias Thomas Rainford. Yes, madam, a young nobleman, he repeated, carried away by the excitement of feelings under which he laboured, for he fancied that the old lady had intended to reproach him, him, the son of the resuscitated highwayman, with having dared to love her daughter. And now, perhaps, it is your turn to be surprised, for as surely as you are seated there, I am not the plain and humble and obscure Charles Hatfield, but the Lord Viscount Marston, heir to the earldom of Ellingham. Mrs. Fitzharding restrained her surprise with the utmost presence of mind, exerting indeed an extraordinary power of self-control, and surveying him with an unblushing effrontery, she said, Well, my lord, your lordship is at length led to confess who you really are. My lord, your lordship, oh, how sweetly, how sweetly sounded those words on the ears of Charles Hatfield. He forgot that he was the son of the resuscitated highwayman. He remembered not that his sire had passed through the ordeal of a scaffold. He heard only that he was saluted with a title of nobility, and already did it seem as if half his ambition were gratified. Madam, he said, at length recovering his self-possession, and subduing as much as possible the wildness of that joy which had seized upon him, then it appears you were acquainted with my right to a title of nobility. I was, she answered, with an air of the most perfect truthfulness. And believing you to be ignorant of that fact, I was anxious to make the revelation to your lordship. You are consequently acquainted with everything that regards me? Continued Charles, not perceiving in the still elated condition of his mind that the question was foolish because it embraced a vague and undefined generality. "'Everything, my lord,' returned Mrs. Fitzharding, repeating the titular appellation, because in her latent shrewdness she saw full well the pleasure that its swelling sound afforded to the young man. "'This is most strange, most singular,' cried Charles, musing audibly, "'for I came hither with the intention of revealing all, everything,' to your Perdita, through whom you would have learnt the entire particulars in the course of this day. And behold, I am anticipated, for you already are as well acquainted with those most mysterious circumstances as I myself. But may I ask, madam, he exclaimed, turning abruptly towards Mrs. Fitzharding, may I ask how you came to know that Mr. Hatfield is my father, and that he is the rightful Earl of Ellingham, legitimately born? Mrs. Fitzharding had hitherto known nothing at all of those circumstances, but without manifesting the least surprise, she said, Pray be seated, my lord. Compose yourself. Give not way to unnecessary excitement. 
and I will at once proceed to explain all my conduct to your lordship. Charles Hatfield threw himself into an armchair and showed a disposition to listen with attention. Has your lordship ever heard of a gypsy named Miranda? inquired Mrs. Fitzharding. Yes, I lately read the entire history of that Octavia Manners, who became Countess of Ellingham, and who was my father's mother. The gypsy of whom you speak was her faithful friend. But she must now be very old, even if she be in existence. She is in existence, or at least was a short time back, said Mrs. Fitzharding. From her lips did I receive the entire history of your family. But she could not have known that the late Earl of Ellingham married the injured Octavia Manners, cried Charles. She could not have been aware of my father's real rank and position. Yes, she knew all, returned the wily woman, uttering a deliberate falsehood. How and by what means, it matters not. Neither, indeed, did she inform me. When the whole tale was revealed to me, I thought that you must be in ignorance of your just rights, and, having by accident heard a good account of your lordship's generous heart and amiable qualities. From whom? demanded Charles. Oh, I must not gratify your curiosity in these minute details, exclaimed Mrs. Fitzharding. Suffice it that I adhere to the important points of our present topic. Proceed, madam. I will not again interrupt you unnecessarily, said the young man. Well then, my lord, I fancied that it was a flagrant shame and an abhorrent cruelty thus to retain you in ignorance, as I supposed, of your true standing in the world, and a sense of justice determined me, although a total stranger to you, to acquaint your lordship with those facts which, it however appears, were already well known to you. To speak candidly, my dear madam, said Charles, I was in complete ignorance of all those circumstances until eight or ten days ago, when they were revealed to me by the strangest accident in the world. May I, without appearing indiscreet, inquire the nature of the accident that thus put your lordship in possession of such important, such vitally important facts? Assuredly, my dear madam, returned Charles Hatfield, you yourself have behaved to me with so much kindness and candour in this respect that I owe you my entire confidence. A mere chance threw in my way certain papers which fully prove that Octavia Manners was the wife of the late Earl of Ellingham when their child was born, and that my own father, who now bears the name of Hatfield, but who was so long and so unhappily known by that of Rainford, was the child to whom allusion is made. And those papers, have you them in your possession? asked Mrs. Fitzharding. I have, carefully concealed in a private compartment of my writing desk, in my own chamber at Lord Ellingham's mansion. But has your lordship no hesitation in proclaiming your rights and titles, or rather in acquiring them by forcing your father to proclaim his own? demanded the old woman, again fixing her eyes steadfastly upon his countenance. Ah, there, madam, you touch the wound in my heart, exclaimed Charles, the sudden workings of his countenance displaying the anguish which the thought excited within him. I am loath to take the grand, the important, the irrevocable step on the one hand, and I cannot bear to surrender up all my privileges on the other. 
Moreover, my parents have not acted towards me in a way to render necessary every sacrifice on my part. And even this morning, this very morning, my father added a new injury to the list of those already committed against me, a new wrong, by upbraiding me, under particular circumstances, with harshness, even brutality. Certainly your lordship cannot permit a false sense of filial duty to mar all the golden prospects which open before you, exclaimed the vile woman, who was thus encouraging evil thoughts in the young man's mind. Consider your youth, your handsome appearance, your great talents, the brilliant hopes which develop themselves in the horizon of the future. Oh, I have thought of all this. I have weighed everything for and against the course which I long to adopt, but which the interests of my parents oppose. Charles paused, dashed his hand against his heated brow, and rising, paced the room in an agitated manner. My lord, this excitement is useless, said Mrs. Fitzharding. If you will deign to consider me as a friend... I do, I do, he cried, approaching her, and pressing her shriveled hand with fervent but oh with how mistaken gratitude have you not proved yourself my friend did you not though a stranger contemplate the generous act of revealing to me secrets which you considered as necessary to be known to me and have you not even now given me advice which is consistent with my interests then if your lordship will thus regard me as a friend Permit me to suggest that you do not, on the one hand, abandon your determination to assert your rights, nor, on the other, adopt any course that has not been well deliberated upon. Consider, said Mrs. Fitzharding, your lordship will have to steel your heart against a father's prayers, a mother's tears. You will have to contend against the entreaties of your uncle, the earl, and of his handsome Jewish wife. Ay, and the beseechings of their daughter, too, for I understand that your lordship has a beautiful cousin. Oh, how many hearts may I not have to break in piling up the fabric of my ambition, exclaimed Charles Hatfield, his heart once more smiting him severely, or rather with an anguish that was intolerable. Yes, those are the considerations which lie before your lordship, resumed Mrs. Fitzharding. But you must also reflect, my lord, upon the immense interests you have at stake. Is it better to remain simple Charles Hatfield all your life, or... You need not finish the question, madam, said the young man, suddenly interrupting the infamous old Harridan, and now speaking in a cold tone of desperate resolution. I must persevere. My destiny is fixed, and even if hearts break in the struggle... I will not shrink from the contest that is to give me my just rights. But let us talk no more of this for the present. May I be permitted to inquire after your charming daughter? You have now, my lord, turned the conversation on the second subject which required discussion between us, interrupted Mrs. Fitzharding. Perdita has confessed to me all that has taken place between herself and your lordship. And you are doubtless offended exclaimed charles hatfield observing that the old lady's countenance had again become very serious no my lord i am not precisely angry she returned but i tremble to approach a topic which involves so many difficulties ah madam with your strong mind 
all difficulties are surmountable said charles and you have only to stipulate in order that i shall assent to everything that you may propose in the first place resumed the wily woman you are aware of the strange fanciful and i must say unfortunate notions which my daughter has imbibed relative to marriage and your lordship must be aware that supposing your mutual passion be allowed to take its course unrestrained the world will regard her only as your lordship's mistress madam i would cheerfully conduct her to the altar whither she will not go added the old woman emphatically no my lord it is useless to reason with that strong-headed obstinate girl on the subject admitting then that i her mother placing her happiness above conventional opinions and entertaining implicit faith in your honour and integrity admitting i say that i consent to the union of hearts proposed in this case waiving the ceremony of the union of hands can you my lord undertake to ensure my daughter against the contingencies of poverty situated as i now am the means at my disposal are limited indeed said charles hatfield but the moment my rights are proclaimed and recognised then at the same instant the family estates at present held by the earl of ellingham will pass into the hands of your father and you still remain totally dependent upon him until his death said mrs fitzharding embracing at a glance the whole range of contingencies true said charles suddenly becoming much embarrassed and seeing difficulties most unexpectedly start up but resumed mrs fitzharding after a few minutes pause and laying strong emphasis upon the monosyllable but my lord even should you immediately quarrel with your father by compelling him to wrest the titles and estates from the hands of his younger brother who now holds them there are ways and means for your lordship to raise money those estates becoming inalienably yours in the perspective yes i understand there is that alternative exclaimed charles but my father would not discard me altogether he would not deprive me of the means of support during his lifetime you know not my lord what may be the results of the family convulsion the domestic revolution which your contemplated proceedings will bring about pardon me my dear viscount if i thus dwell upon matters so purely worldly but remember that i myself am now placed in a cruel position by the total wreck of the brilliant hopes which my claims in chancery so recently held out and unless i succeed in raising a few thousand pounds within a week i shall positively be menaced with imprisonment in a debtor's jail merciful heaven cried charles hatfield how can i possibly assist you you will not think me mercenary my lord oh no no my dear madam he exclaimed impatiently tell me if there be a means of raising the amount you require and my readiness to adopt those means must be received by you as a proof of my anxiety to render myself worthy of perdita's love and your esteem generous nobleman cried mrs fitzharding pretending to be affected by the scene my daughter will indeed be happy in the possession of your heart listen my lord she continued 
and our interview may soon be brought to a close, for I know that you are as anxious to see a certain person as she is dying to behold you. Your lordship, ere now, alluded to particular papers which prove the legitimate birth, rights, and identity of your father. By means of those papers, and on your lordship signing a document, I can undertake to procure as large a sum of money as may be required, either by my necessities or for your own present wants. This evening, my dear madam, I will place the papers in your hands, said Charles, who was anxious to terminate this interview as speedily as possible, for his impatience to behold Perdita began to exceed his powers of endurance. At eight o'clock this evening I shall expect your lordship, observed Mrs. Fitzharding, and with these words she quitted the apartment. Charles Hatfield approached the mirror, arranged his hair in the most becoming manner, and had just snatched a last satisfactory glance at the reflection of his handsome countenance when the door opened and Perdita entered the room. End of section 26